Welcome back to another episode of Giant Cocktails, where two Giants fans talk about San Francisco Giants while drinking homemade cocktails. I am one of your co-hosts, Ben Henry, along with my brother, Matthew Henry. Today is April 18th, Sunday, April 18th, as we record this episode, and we are now sort of getting deep into the season. The Giants have finished the week with a record of 9-6 and six after finishing up uh, their series with the Florida Marlins, and uh, let's see, I don't know, it, intro done. How, how did that go, Matthew? Solid B+. Plus. Solid B plus. Yeah, it felt kind of like a B minus while I was saying it. I don't know. I don't know. You know, I, I think I hit all the notes. I got all the requirements done, but it was, it just wasn't inspiring. No, I think you, you lacked know? a little energy there. You were, yeah, you were I so a lot focused of, on getting yeah. the nuts and bolts out that you lacked yeah, that pizzazz. Yeah, I just, I just, I, I, I got the, 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 I, I got all the facts right, but I just didn't nail the narrative. Wow. Well, this is why I flunked out of college as a as an English major, so at least that is just holding true. I thought yeah. it was the drinking of why you uh, flunked out. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of drinking, uh, let's see. I have gone like first so many times, so I'm going to ask you today again, Matthew, what are you drinking? Well, I'm... I actually, uh, again, once again, got brave and tried to uh, come up with my own cocktail. And my inspiration was today's starter, Alex Wood. And I got to thinking, what can I do to, you know, to, to, to honor Alex Wood in his Giants debut? And, and, uh, and then even after he pitched well today, it even became more of an imperative that I do something. And so then I'm thinking, well, Wood, Wood, you know, his last name's Wood. I was like, well, I could, I could smoke, I could, you know, include smoke and burn some wood. And then I was like, burn? Ablation? And, and I started thinking about how, you know, this is the guy that had his nerves burned just a few weeks ago. And so I decided to create a cocktail that I'm calling the Woody Ablation. And uh, it's kind of a take on a sidecar with a little twist. So it's got a, a one and a half ounces of bourbon, not brandy, a uh, half ounce of Cointreau. Uh, three quarter ounces of OJ, a quarter ounce of lime juice, a teaspoon of simple syrup and shook that all up and then I, I chilled a coupe glass and before I, sm I put it into a smoker and allowed the, the, the condensation from the chilled glass to bring in all that smoke from, oh and the wood chips that I used were Jack Daniel wood chips, they were used there from a uh, whiskey barrel. And then I garnished it with a uh, torched orange peel and uh, so that is my woody ablation. It's a nice citrusy bourbon-y kind of with a little, little, uh, uh, citrus and, and, uh, the smoke added a nice, nice little touch to it. So I'm overall, I'm pleased. I, I think that this is a, a very nice cocktail and I hope that Mr. Wood would like it as well. Oh, now I gotta ask you. That's right. He's all sitting there looking at me like, oh, <laughs> "Are you gonna ask me?" I, I'm so you're pleased. so proud. You're so I'm proud so, of your drink that you want You're ready for me to comment on it. I'm so proud yeah. of my drink, but you're yeah. like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't give a." Yeah. Shit. <laughs> you're all like, "I well, don't." Do you care. want me to comment about it first before before you ask me the question? No, don't, don't comment on it if you don't want to. I mean, I was. <laughs> I was here. I am going to. Here I'm using fire and, uh, yeah, yeah. and and all sorts of fun stuff. But anyway, Ben, what what are you drinking? Well, I am drinking a a, a cocktail that is also uh, a, a, my own creation. It, it's a little bit of a work in progress. I, I think I'm going to I'm going to give this a name. I'll tell you what the name is a little bit later. Uh, but I do definitely want to talk about your cocktail as well. So because uh, honestly, I, I'm so proud. I am so proud of you, my brother, taking these steps, trying out all of these adventurous things, smoking the glass, 
with uh, the uh, the whiskey barrel shards or, or whatever wood chips. It was. Yep. wood chips, yeah. But I'm also proud of the name. Uh, you know, I, I actually w- had wanted to make my own version of the ablation. Uh, the only thing, my only comment on your drink would be is I don't think it's strong enough. Uh, because, you know, yeah, it's got the bourbon and it's got the, the Cointreau in it. So it's a little bit stronger than your standard cocktail. I think something that is named after a procedure in which you burn away your nerves really has to have nerve just destroying capabilities. You know what I mean? So I I think you're missing probably, I don't know, an ounce of vodka in there. Right. Just to just to push it over the top. I mean, that's definitely going to dilute the rest of your flavors, but it's really going to give you that strong ablation effect. Right. You know, where you're just not going to feel anything because we've just destroyed the nerves. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But other than that, it actually sounds like a very nice cocktail. I like the use of the 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 bourbon and the orange juice. That's not a, a very common combination. It does happen. It does happen. They, they, they're they not um, uncomplimentary flavors. You're using a little bit. I, it's also interesting to me that you're using the orange juice as as your as your citrus, right? Because it's not as quite as sour as as maybe a lime or a lemon, which is typically used in there. So that probably mellows it out a little bit, which you balance nicely with not as much simple syrup. Although the Cointreau does bring a little bit of sugar there anyway, too. So, And of course, the bourbon has a, a sweet kind of profile to it, too. So I probably would enjoy this cocktail very much because I love sweet cocktails. So I'll yeah. have to give that one a try. I'll have to give that one a try. Well, it, it, um, is, it is a little sweet, but I, I the reason I added the lime juice kind of at the end to kind of give it a little mm, bit more, okay. right, more, right. more tartness, right. a little acidity to balance that out. Because originally right. it was just OJ, and I was like, nah, I need, need something. Yeah, a little so. too. Well, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, and that's I mean, that's what I, I really like about this whole process is just experimenting. And, you know, the only problem is, is that when you're experimenting with cocktails is you can only make like three a night. Dude, three, I, I could. I, I have to experiment with a sip and then there yeah, that's good enough because otherwise I'm on the floor <laughs> and you're well, calling exactly. me like, dude, where are you? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm trying to get my cocktails just ready. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's, it, it is definitely, you know, I don't know how the pros do it. You know, I have to drink the whole cocktail. And what I find is that when I'm making my own cocktails and I'm trying to work on a, something new and I'm experimenting, I find that the fourth cocktail I have every night is the best cocktail I've ever had. <laughs> and uh, the first time that happened to me, I thought I nailed it. And then I made that same thing the next day, and I was like, "This is disgusting." And I realized, "Oh, right." <laughs> everything tastes good on the fourth. Right? Cocktail. Yeah. Once you're on the fourth cocktail, everything tastes good. But pro anyway, tip, pro tip on the fourth cocktail at a bar, then you just start ordering the crap. That's right. Yeah. Just give me the bottom shelf, whatever, uh, whatever the worst thing that you have, the cheapest thing that you have. Um, but anyway, what am I drinking? I am drinking a cocktail that didn't have a name. Uh, I've been working on this for all week, and, and I think it's still a work in progress. I think this could be considered finished, but I think it's kind of missing an extra note. And so I think I'm actually going to come back to this one later in the season and try to add and build something on top of it. But I would definitely drink this one again. It, it's base is a vodka, a Polish vodka flavored with with bison grass so this is a flavored vodka i don't usually do flavored vodkas just because i like to add my own flavors but what i don't have is bison grass and i guess this is this is a well-known brand that's sort of making the rounds Uh, i've had it actually in my bar for a while based off of the recommendation of a colleague and uh, i've made a few cocktails with it and and recently i have been after the oleosaccharum adventure where I, I that ended up I ended up with a lot of lime juice from that and so I experimented with that by adding it to to this Polish vodka uh, it's called I don't know how to pronounce it it's Zubroczka or Zubroka spelled Z-U-B-R-O-W-K-A uh, bison grass flavored vodka and it's kind of got a a it's kind of good. they claim it has like a vanilla profile. To me, it seemed more more lime like, which is why I paired it with the lime juice. And so this cocktail is the the Polish uh, bison grass vodka. Two ounces of that with three quarters of an ounce of simple syrup, three quarters of an ounce of lime juice, 
Oh, and the simple syrup is ginger simple syrup. So while I was making that simple syrup, I um, made it with uh, ginger. So it's got a gingery flavor, the simple syrup does. And then uh, I added a couple of dashes of cherry bitters there to pair that with the lime flavor. And it's really a, a quite nice, simple cherry lime cocktail that uh, that the vodka really doesn't um, sort of complements the vodka rather than than trying to to hide it or 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 using the vodka as a blank blank page. It kind of builds on top of it. I'm going to call this because it's not done yet. It's it's not we don't know everything that we need to know about this cocktail yet. But I think we're going to learn about this cocktail and I think my first impression of this cocktail was a good one. I don't know where it's going. I have great hopes for it as as it builds. So I'm going to call this one the Camilo Rising. Oh. A little foreshadowing perhaps. Mhm. Yes, this is the Camilo Rising, and I think once it's finished, we'll, we'll call it something else, but for now, that's what it's called. That's what this version is called. So that's its name, and I, I'm, I'm sticking with it. All right. Does it hit you like a 98-mile-an-hour fastball? <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's it's pleasantly surprising is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> You're thinking Polish-flavored vodka? What? <laughs> with cherry bitters? What? That's never pitched above A-ball. <laughs> And then you taste it, and you're like, "Wow, that's actually quite good. That was that was quite pleasant. I I didn't hate that experience." And what do you know? It did exactly what you thought it should do. It, it came in. It 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 was it was nice. It was simple. It was straightforward. It didn't try to do too much. And next thing you know, it's gone, and you're moving on, and you're happy. Typical Camilo. Typical Camilo. <laughs> I'm, also, I'm also stuck on this bison grass thing. I did not know that mm. existed. I mean, is there like, is there like goat grass now? Like I just, I mean, what kind of, what other grasses are out there that I don't know anything about? Elephant grass? Like, I don't know. You know, I haven't done a lot of investigation into this whole thing, but I will tell you there is a strand of grass in the bottle, right? It you better know, be bison I, grass. I'm pretty sure it is bison grass. The thing that confuses me is uh, there is an American bison on right. the on the bottle, but it's uh. a Polish vodka. Like, and how does that? How, where does this grass come from? Like, you know, I don't know. But it's, it makes a nice cocktail. It makes a nice cocktail. Right. Well, it sounds very nice, and I'm I'm looking forward to hearing how Camilo progresses over the, the season. And... Yeah, so say we all, right? I think we're all all hopeful that that this cocktail is as good three or four months from now as it was today. That's right. <laughs> right. I think, uh, I, think, I think the listeners, uh, the few that we have, have probably cracked our code by now. So, so but anyway, it's quite a week. Quite a week, right? Uh, we... Well, it, it certainly started out well we were riding high off a sweep from the rockies and uh then we uh, had the reds come to town we we got off to a good start there or did we you know i can't remember i know we, we didn't get off to a three. good start we did not go out a good start oh, on that's the right. first the, day that's right the bats went cold wade went miley cold. the crafty veteran who i think is younger is older than i am uh shut down the giants but yes, they won the next two games. So, so yeah. So, from a series perspective, it was a nice win. It was a, it was a good series win. It was two to one. There's nothing to complain about overall in the terms of the results. Yeah, but we do have. I mean, Mr. Cueto. I feel like I feel like maybe yeah. I jinxed I jinxed him with my drink last week. Mm. You know, with the Cueto loco. Maybe he got a little too loco. So you know, he was pitching really well, and then all of a sudden said nope. You know, it had a lat strain in his back, and uh, that's all all she wrote. So. I don't believe in that sort of stuff, Matthew. I think the world is crazy and just random things happen. And I know that in baseball, people get hurt all the time. But I want you to know, as soon as I saw that happen, I immediately thought of your drink and said that you jinxed him. Those were the words that came out of my mouth. And I said them to an empty room. I said, he jinxed him. So, yeah, I, I think it is a little bit your fault. I'm sorry, Johnny. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to drink another Cueto Loco to drown my sorrows. Oh, uh, well, you know, so... Yeah, that so, was yeah, a bummer. 
You know, the interesting thing that I thought, too, that happened in that Red series before, you know, so Gaussman, you know, up until Gaussman started on, uh, you know, the second game, you know, we had this run going of, of all of our starting pitchers had, uh, had, had quality starts to start the season. I, you know, it was like 10 or 11 in a row or something like that. And uh, so it was uh, Gaussman goes out and gives up two two-run homers in the first inning. And uh, just like that, the quality start was gone and the streak was gone. Uh, we've since started another streak, so that's kind of cool. Uh, but the funny thing was is that Gaussman actually got the win in, uh, in that game. And for once, the bats decided to score in the first inning. We, we actually uh, hit two two-run homers of our own in that game. And the first time in Oracle Park history where there have been four home runs in the first inning. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, Gaussman gave up, I think he gave up another run, a fifth run in the second inning, and then he cruised. It was like 13 straight retired. You know, and then we had to wait for the giant bats to, to get hot again. And, and that kind of seems like been a theme, right? We, we kind of score in these little bunches. We'll have one inning that maybe kind of captures some magic. Uh, three or four guys will finally put some hits together. Uh, and then we got to suffer through like seven or eight other innings. We're not hitting the ball hard. So it's it's just, uh, it's maddening. And, uh, you know, thank goodness that the pitching has been doing just enough for us to overcome uh, our lack of offense. Because, uh, you know, even though, like, you know, we haven't gotten into parlance, but, you know, we haven't, we haven't scored a lot of runs this this uh, this week, and yet we're still seven and three in our last ten games, and so that you know to me is like a little bit of a you know whew, thank goodness I mean we we got lucky and you know but at some point we're gonna have to hit don't you think? Oh, absolutely. They have to hit. They absolutely have to hit. You know, at the beginning of the season or in the preseason, you and I talked about who we thought was what the what was going to work for the Giants this year and what wasn't. And we both felt like, and I think a lot of people have felt, that the the, the best thing that this team is at, the best thing about this team is its lineup. Yes, it's old. And I think a lot of the pundits out there definitely suspect that this team is going to fall off in its productivity because of its age. We believe otherwise because we're faithful Giants fans. But I think what we all, everybody agreed on was that the pitching staff was just a huge question mark. And the the one area that I felt was the weakest was was the bullpen. And we both felt like the bullpen was probably the area where the Giants were going to struggle the most. And now it's interesting to me. So obviously the starting rotation has been the biggest surprise of the season. It continues to be even with, you know, Alex Wood had his first start today and 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 pitched extremely well, right, in his, his first outing. Yeah, we lost Johnny Cueto, which is a huge blow because of how well he was performing. But at the same time, Alex Wood comes in and replaces him in the rotation and it does, doesn't miss a beat, you know, and, and it just seems like the starting rotation has been so, so, so good in a very surprising way, which leaves the lineup and the bullpen as the two areas where you got to have one of them to pick up the slack. And obviously the bullpen has had its moments this year, opening day and then unfortunately on Saturday as well of the, the series against the Marlins. But honestly, you know, when you look at the season as a whole and you look at how the bullpen has performed, my question is for you, Matthew, is which one of these has been better? Yeah, that's a tough question. Because, uh, you know, there have been times where I've been, I've been yeah. cursing out this bullpen, right? I mean, I yeah. have been, I mean, yeah. you know, and, and... Well, nobody likes, nobody likes a, a meltdown, nobody likes a blowout, nobody likes, you know, I mean, oh. opening day, and then what happened on Saturday, you know... I think Saturday was kind of like how how many times can Jake Mickey go out there and convert a save? You know he pitches every day it seems like so that one wasn't quite as brutal as opening day, but it was still a game they should have won and, and definitely the bullpen blew that game. But I but other but than that, you, I I think that you know you one could make the argument that the bullpen's weaknesses are being exposed because we're not hitting. Oh for sure, and, and so I got to go with. The, the bullpen is actually performing fairly well. You look at some of the metrics, and they're, they're doing okay. Uh, it's our hitters that are doing 
you know, that are struggling. And, you know, early on, there was some discussion early on in the week. There was some, you know, writers were writing about how bad luck was certainly a part of it, that the Giants were barreling balls and all using some of these advanced statistics and that they, you know, that luck would turn around and at some point they would, uh, they would hit. Grant Brisby from The Athletic wrote, I think, an article this week around that, you know, that the Giants have trained themselves to be selective hitters, right? That they're not going to swing at pitches that they can't drive. Uh, the Dodgers do the same. They have the same philosophy. And then he compared both the Dodgers and the Giants. And, and what's happening is that the Giants are getting, the, the pitchers are pitching uh, to those spots that the Giants don't want to swing at, whereas they're not doing that with the Dodgers. And so, you know, he was making the argument that we're just getting, that that's going to even out. That over the right. season, that pitchers will start missing those spots, will start getting better, you know, mistakes uh, that will all even out. But it hasn't happened yet, and uh, we're, you know, we're starting. I, I'm a little heartened. I think in the Florida game, it seemed like Yaz started to 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 wake up a little bit. Uh, I think in one, in one of the games when he hit his when a double, he had a double. He uh, it was on a three zero pitch, and so to me that was like a really good sign that he was feeling. Like that, that you know, that he had some confidence there to take a hack at a three zero pitch and and drive it, and so, you know, I think that there's uh, some glimpses of hope that they're starting to wake up. But boy, I'd really like for them to score more than one run, and uh, <laughs> uh, especially against the Florida Marlins. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I mean. Look, I mean, there, there's no doubt. There's no doubt the Giants have faced some really good pitching performances this year. You know, either from guys who were expected to and from guys who weren't. People who were just hitting their corners, hitting the spots. They've gotten a lot of wide calls, it seems like, too. You know, that umpires giving them a lot of help, especially on the away. It seems like it seems like there's just been a lot of strikes called away from the hitter against the Giants. And maybe maybe even for the Giants. I don't know if that, that's anything. But the point is, is that, yeah, they've, they've faced some good performances. But at the same time, you know, this lineup has got to hit, right? And I think you made a great point is, is that what's happening is, is that the, because the lineup isn't performing well, the situations that the bullpen is being put into are uh, more stressful. And, and players and, you know, the starting pitchers, even though I think Kapler has let the starting pitchers go longer and deeper than, than I was afraid he would, uh, you know, he's still and sometimes forced to pinch hit in certain situations where he might have let that pitcher, uh, you know, uh, continue in the game because they needed that scoring opportunity because they hadn't taken advantage of anything else so far in the game, which means now you have to go bring somebody in from the bullpen and they're the bullpen now has to pitch more innings. And it is also clear that for whatever reason, the Giants have some tremendous favorites in the bullpen and some tremendous guys who, I don't know, maybe they forgot they exist. But there are some guys in that bullpen who are throwing a lot. They're making a lot of appearances, maybe not throwing a lot of innings, but they're making a lot of appearances in the game. And then some guys are just making appearances and throwing a lot of pitches, namely Tyler Rogers and, and Jake McGee. So... You know, that is just putting a huge amount of stress on the bullpen that combined with the, the lack of faith within the entire bullpen. And you've got some guys, you know, I, I mean, to me, it looks like the Giants have half a bullpen and they're using it every day. And that just cannot continue. We really, really need the offense to come around and and carry its weight so that they can take some of the pressure off of the bullpen, which just, it can't carry this load. And I don't know if that's what happened to Jake McGee yesterday or if that was just a fluke or, or whatever, or, or other possible reasons, uh, such as him landing on the injured list. But I don't know, that, that whole injured list, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but but maybe he was feeling the effects of a COVID vaccine or, or whatever yesterday. But but it could also just be that the man is overworked, right? And and that's why, you know, he wasn't spotting his pitches as well as he usually does. He wasn't putting them where he wants them to be. And maybe that's a sign of fatigue. Maybe he was just off that day. But, you know, the point is eventually that's going to catch up to him. He cannot pitch in every other game. Tyler Rogers cannot pitch in every other game. They need other uh, guys in the bullpen to pitch. And they need the the they need to take some pressure off of those innings. The offense definitely needs to start uh, putting together some st stringing together some hits and scoring some runs. Right now, they are 
the third, no, the second worst team in all of baseball in runs scored per game, that's not going to cut it. You know what? Neither is losing two out of three to the Marlins. That's not going to cut it either. Yeah, they've had some really great success, largely on the back of their starting rotation, but there are some really, there are some really big um, warning signs right now, and the part of this team that we thought was going to be much much better really has to step up. You know, and I don't know, I don't, I don't know, Matthew. I'm not a, I, I'm not a professional baseball player. I'm not a professional hitter. I don't know if it's because they're. The, the balls just aren't falling and they're hitting, you know, the velo is high and they're getting barrels and all of that sort of stuff. And I'm sure I could go research it and figure that out. But one way or another, we need those hits to start landing. They need to start coming because if they don't, this is going to start to to, to, to to fall apart. And um, the good news is it hasn't hurt so far. You know, I, I think this series might be a turning point right losing two out of three to the marlins is not great and just watching that game that series overall it really looked to me like the marlins were a better baseball team than the giants and i don't think that's true one um but i it, but that's also not good enough because the marlins are not a great baseball team they do have some really cool and exciting players um you know and i think they've definitely added some veterans who can contribute like Marte and duvall and, uh, and they have got some really young and exciting players uh, that, that I think bode well for their future, but they're just not a great team right now, and the Giants need to be better than them if they're going to be contenders. Well, yeah. yeah you had mentioned that uh, you know, the lack of offense is kind of forcing uh, the bullpen to be in situations that we maybe don't want them to be in, and I think today was a great example of that. I mean, you had, you had uh, Wood kind of cruising through five, and then in the sixth inning we put some guys on, and uh, you know his spot comes up in the order. And if there had been some, you know, we had we had we had some opportunities to score earlier in the game and didn't. And and because of that, you're you're clinging to a one-run lead. Uh, you've got runners on. I can't think at the time it was second, first, and second, or there was at least a couple runners on base. So so Kapler pinch hits for Wood. And uh, and. And, and I'm thinking, as that's happening, I'm thinking, well, yeah, now you're going to put your bullpen in a situation where they're going to have to clean, protect this one-run lead for the next, you know, four innings. And 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 they, they did, thank goodness. Uh, but I also think it was funny is Camilo Duvall, you know, makes his major league debut today. And before, and they called him up, they said, oh, we're going to find him a spot that's not a high leverage situation, knowing that this is his major league debut. And what do they do? They put him into a crucial spot. And although they did have three right-handers lined up for him, but, uh, you know, he and had, a lead. And a lead, but a one-run lead. And... Well, but Matthew, they don't have anything other than one-run leads, right? <laughs> I think that's the point that we're trying to make right here. There are no low-leverage situations to put a kid like that in. They just aren't existing right now, right? So yeah. that is as low-leverage as they come. The, the only other low-leverage situation would be a game where the Giants were, you know, getting hammered. Um, but, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. And and I, I mean, switching gears a little bit, because we, we can't let this up, this this... Camilo Duvall reference, you know, leave without mentioning him, you know, once again. But I think I owe him a huge apology because I think last week at this time, I may have said something. I forgot him. And then I couldn't remember who he was. And you said, how could you forget Camilo? And I said, that's right. How could I forget Camilo? Oh, probably because he's never pitched above a ball. That's why. And, and you know, and, and then he comes in and didn't look like an a ball pitcher tonight. I mean, he was, he was throwing hard. Uh, he was, he looked really good. And, and I, the reason that I am really glad that he pitched well today was maybe I won't have to see Rogers pitch as much as he has because that man makes me nervous. <laughs> I must I, say, I must say Tyler Rogers, he's done well. He's pitched well this week. I can't complain with the results, but every time he gets on, I'm like, okay, who's he going to hit? Who's, uh, you know, how, who's he going to, I mean, he's, he leads like the team and hits batters. He's just, he's never has a comfortable inning and it just, uh, it, at least it seems to me. I'm sure I know that he had some this week, but man, every time he gets in, I get nervous, and so I just felt more confident with the with our young guy Duvall on the on the mound, and I'm hoping to see more of him in these situations because he proved today that he could certainly rise to the challenge. 
Well, true. I mean, look, I agree that Tyler Rogers is a streaky pitcher. You know, he, he goes through these bouts where sometimes he looks really great and other bouts where he looks really mediocre. The man's walks and hits per innings pitched right now is .931. Anything less than 1.2 is really good. He's outstanding right now. He has had a lot of great outings. He looks wonky. He throws the ball really slowly. You just think it's just a matter of time until the league figures him out and tears him apart. But the guy's been executing, and I think... I think he's not as any he's not any scarier out there than any other Giants pitcher right now, except maybe Jake McGee and you know and Jake Jake blew a blew a save. Uh, but that being said, Camilo Duvall. First of all, what an outing today! I what really was remarkable to me about his performance today was how confident he looked. Yeah, that guy was ready. He it looked like to me like it had, he was like what took so long, <laughs> and he walked off the field with such confidence, and he had this smile on his face in the dugout like yeah, that's right, I'm where I belong, and he looked so good and so confident. I think what's really interesting about his story is how these things kind of happen, and what's really interesting about him is how the rules of baseball forced this to happen. Like, I don't think the Giants wanted to bring up Camilo Duvall and have him be a key part of their bullpen and depend and rely on him. I don't think that was ever their intent. So why did this happen? Well, it happened, one, because they don't have a lot of right-handers on their 40-man roster, right? And so he was one of the few right-handers that they had on their 40-man roster. And last week we, we said, okay, what's going to happen when Alex Wood comes back you know, and and now that Reyes Maranta, who's also a right-handed hitter, a right-handed pitcher, is now injured, who are the Giants going to to put in the bullpen to replace Reyes Maranta? Well, the answer was Logan Webb, right? He was the answer. The idea was is that Alex Wood would come back, Logan Webb would move into the bullpen, and he would replace Reyes Maranta, and we would never have heard of Camilo Duvall, right? That was the plan. Then you jinxed Johnny, and he got hurt, and that changed everything. Now Logan Webb has to go back into the rotation, and they need another right-handed pitcher. And that's we went and looked at the 40-man roster, and we're like, they don't have anybody. They're going to have to make a move. Well, the Giants don't want to make a move. Why don't the Giants want to make a move? And I think this is something that a lot of fans don't know. The reason the Giants don't want to make a move against their 40-man roster is the 40-man roster is a roster of all of the players that are protected. They are like your official set of major leaguers. Now, your major league roster is only 26 players, right? But your 40-man roster is obviously 14 more players than that. So it includes everybody who's on your major league roster plus 14 other players. And they are completely protected on your roster. They are, uh, they are under your team's control. And you can, with some... So, you know, like there's this whole, this whole concept of options, which I don't want to get into, but you can bring players up and down between your minor leagues and your major leagues um, pretty much for free as long as they're on this 40-man roster and they have options. Now, the, the, thing, about, the thing about that roster is, is that if you're not on that roster, you can't be on the major league roster, right? In order to be on the major league roster, you have to be on the 40-man roster. And you can only have 40 people on the 40-man the roster. So what happens when you get taken off the 40-man roster? You get what's called waived or designated for assignment, which doesn't mean eventually the team is going to have to trade you or release you. What means is the team is giving up it, their, their rights to you as a player on their team, a player within their organization. And so if they were to remove, if they wanted to add a right-handed pitcher to their 40-man roster, they were going to have to go through one of those other 14 players and waive them or designate them for assignment, which means that player would eventually be uh, eligible to be selected by any other Major League Baseball team. And so basically that means you're going to lose that guy if he's any good at all. Right, you're gonna lose him. He's gonna go somewhere else and he's just gone. And so that means that 
if you want to make a change like that, if you want to bring somebody up who is not on your 40-man roster, you have to choose to give up somebody else permanently. And the Giants clearly do not want to do that right now. Okay, so why is Camilo Doval on their 40-man roster if he's never put pitched above single A? Well, he's on their 40-man roster. Well, do you want to talk about that? I was just say rule five. That's right. Rule five. What's rule five? Well, rule five is a, uh, I don't know the exact rule, but basically every year uh, the major leagues has a rule five draft where they can choose somebody that's not on a, another team's 40-man roster that meets some criteria of, uh, of time time played, I think. And so, I think it's like five seasons or something like that. Since five seasons or less. Signed. Yeah, yeah. And so they, uh, so every year, teams have to do this little roulette or kind of figuring out who's going to be on their, protected on their 40-man roster before the Rule 5 draft. And, uh, uh, and so that's... Uh, so that's yeah. So that's why um, you know we you know we have these guys on the forty man, and then when they uh, I'm trying to remember we had we actually selected somebody off the forty man this year who ended up uh, the uh, rule five draft. Yeah. The, I'm sorry, yeah, the rule five draft. Yeah, he hurt himself. Uh, um, yeah, Dead Deal yeah. Nunez was that? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And so uh, so if if and the the, the the catch is if you draft somebody off the rule five uh, draft, they have to stay on your major league roster for the entire year. That's otherwise, right. you have to give them back. Correct. And uh, and so 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 it rarely happens where a player sticks uh, with a team for the entire year because usually there are these low level minor leaguers that aren't uh, able to contribute the way others can and so usually it doesn't work out. But uh, and in this case, you know, there was some hope that Daniel Nunez, who was pitching really well in the spring, uh, would would do that. And then he, he he's now had Tommy John surgery and he's out for the year. So uh, but yeah, so now we've got the stacked forty man roster, all the guys that we've protected that we want on there, including our young Camilo Duvall. Um, and I don't think the Giants had any intention of really bringing him up, uh, but but now they've been forced to because they need another right-hander in the bullpen, and he was the only right-handed relief pitcher on the 40-man. Right. But the reason, the whole reason the Giants put him onto the 40-man roster is because they were afraid that somebody else would draft him in the Rule 5 draft, right? Yeah. Yeah. And in order to be drafted in the Rule 5 draft, you have to be pretty attractive because, like you said, that team that drafts you has to keep you on their major league roster, their roster of 26 major leaguers for the entire year. And if they don't do that, they have to give him back to you. So you have to be pretty darn good to be drafted in the Rule 5 draft. And therefore, you have to be probably even better than that to be protected by your team especially if you're not somebody who's ever pitched that high in the league. It's a really unusual situation because usually people who've been around long enough have progressed far enough that we at least know their names and we've heard about them in AA or AAA. That just happened to not be the case for Camilo. Part of the conditions are, there's had something to do with age as also, um, and I imagine that he signed with the Giants very, very young. He was probably 17, I'm guessing. I think so, yeah. And then... And that is why he hit the Rule 5 draft eligibility so early. He also really didn't blossom much until recently. And last in 2019, he was really, really dominant in, in San Jose at single A. But he was also really, really wild. Like, you know, I think he was sort of the epitome of the wild thing from the old Major League Baseball movies, you know, with the Charlie Sheen, right? He was kind of like throwing really hard, really fast, striking out lots of guys. But part of the reason he was striking them out is because they were afraid he was going to plunk them, you know? And so that's how he ends up on the 40-man roster, right? And then the Giants make all these moves, and suddenly he's, you know, he's one of the few right- right-handed relievers who are on the roster, and then, you know, this guy gets hurt and that guy gets hurt and suddenly he's making his major league debut and getting cocktails named after him. That's right. Yeah. You know, and that's that's, that's how, how it happens. goes. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and I think that it'll be interesting because obviously, you know, they, the Giants, uh, you know, are afraid to drop somebody off their 40 man. Uh, they recently picked up a couple of players, actually. One of them was a guy named Tyro Estrada. They, they purchased him from the Yankees. The Yankees had designated for an assignment. So basically they traded him for money. And, uh, and he was the backup. He is now the, the experienced backup uh, to Crawford. 
uh, at shortstop. Since uh, I think uh, you know, Zaidi had come out at the end of the season saying that one of the last pieces that they needed to fill was depth at the shortstop position uh, should something happen to, to Crawford. And so this Tyro Estrada guy uh, is that guy. He's still pretty young. Um, you know, he's, I think he's 25, uh, but, you know, hits a little bit, decent defender, plays second, short, and third, uh, can play all three infield, you know, spots there. And so, uh, he's that, that insurance depth, uh, piece. Hopefully we don't see him. And the other guy that they, they actually picked up was uh, off of waivers from Oakland was a guy named all name team, all name team alert, Sky Bolt. And uh, this is probably about a week and a half ago at this point. They picked him up, and uh, he's probably the one clinging to that last forty-man roster spot. Like he's some outfield depth. He can play center field. Uh, you know, he's uh, you know, should something happen to either Slater or Dubone, you know, he we'd probably see him. Especially since uh, you know, uh, Jalen Davis, I think, went on the uh, DL, the sixty-man. DL or IL, they don't, it's not the disabled list anymore, it's the injured list, uh, the injured list, and so uh, those are guys, so so that's a guy that I think is kind of clinging to that last spot, and if they really had to make a move, uh, they would probably wave Sky Bolt, although, um, but they're getting really creative with injured lists, so, you know, maybe they're, because if you get put on, <laughs> if you get put on the 60, 60 day injured list, then you actually get removed from the forty man. There's a spot opens up on the forty man. Uh, that's right. That's right. So, so if you get severely injured, you you know you you no longer take up a spot on the forty man roster. I mean, they have to put you on the sixty day injured list, which means you're ineligible for sixty days. But that is correct. And so the 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 creativity of the injured list, though, it kind of popped up its head this weekend when uh, all of a sudden I got this alert saying that Logan Webb and uh, Jake McGee were put on the IL and my alert just said the IL and I'm like, what the heck? So I click onto that and then they were all on the broadcast. They were like, well, COVID related, we can't disclose why. And then all of a sudden it starts coming out that they were had a vaccine reaction and which, which made me laugh because Logan Webb isn't scheduled to pitch. Until, until Tuesday. Tuesday, right? And he's still supposed to pitch on Tuesday. Yeah, so he's got, oh, he's not feeling good with his rejection. Let's put him on this this new IL so that we can bring up Chadwick Trump to, uh, yeah. you know, to back up Casali now that uh, Buster yeah. got binged in the elbow. And yeah. so I kind no, of admire this, is, this. I like I, I, this. And this is very, very shrewd. This is very, very shrewd. First of all, it's none of your darn business to know what the COVID status is of any major league baseball player. That's their own personal medical information. So you don't get to know. Absolutely. I agree. I don't want to know. Okay. You don't want to know, right? Okay. So this year there's a special eye injured list for COVID related incidents. And so you go on this list. If you were, if you get infected, you go on this list, if you are part of contact tracing and they need to approve that you are not infected, you can also go on this list. If you are um, reacting to vaccine related uh, issues. Now, what's interesting about this list is that there is no time limit to it. You can go on and off this list at any point in time without restriction. Normally, there's a time span, right? You go on the injured list for 10 days or uh, I guess 10 and 60. Is that it? Is there there one in between? I don't remember. There used to be. But it's so I, I think it's just the 10 and the 60. But then there's now this this COVID list. So so here's the situation. Buster Posey gets hit by a pitch on the elbow. They do x-rays on him. The x-rays are negative. But but if you saw the game, you saw how that ball basically tore his skin and left an imprint of the seams on his elbow. You could see that in the game, right? He got hit real hard. And it ate him up, right? It was it was a very scary moment. And uh, But luckily, the injury doesn't seem to be a long-term thing. But you can bet that his elbow is seriously hurting right now, and he is probably not available to do anything, right? At least for a couple of days. So they do probably wanted a backup catcher. And then, you know, they have Alex Wood come in, and they need to make room for him to be able to come off the IL, but they probably don't want to remove anybody else from the roster, and they want to keep their bullpen pretty deep. So it seems really, really lucky for them 
that Jake McGee and Logan Webb just happened to have these vaccine-related issues, which, you know, I mean, or whatever. I mean, that's that's what it is. That's what the rumor is, because we're not actually allowed to know what the official reason is, because we're not, that, that's none of our business. So they get to be put on this list for a couple of days. They get to come back whenever they need to. Everybody's saying that Jake McGee... So so here's the deal. Jake McGee threw 35 pitches on Saturday. He was not going to be available today anyway. The guy has pitched in half of the Giants games. He shouldn't be available. Jake McGee should be non-touchable. So it is very, very lucky that he ends up on this IL because he wasn't going to be available anyway. Logan Webb's a starting pitcher, so of course he's not available unless the Giants get themselves into a weird situation where they need him to hit in the ninth inning, maybe. <laughs> because they use too many of their batters because they're trying to force things because their offense sucks. But I guess we'll talk about that a little bit later. So anyway, yeah, I I, I guess we kind of have to take this at face value. I mean, it is what it is, you know. But, but I totally was terrified, too, when I saw those two names pop up on my notifications. And then I was like, wait, COVID-related? And then it said, oh, they're both fine. Don't worry about it. And then I just started thinking about it. And I was like, wow, what a strange run of luck for the Giants that they would be able to get exactly what they needed when they needed it without any repercussions. So, so yeah. Um, well, I, I seems sus. Be- seems sus. I, I would shrewd. go so far. Very maybe, shrewd. Maybe they start plan, you know, strategically deciding when their players get that second COVID shot, right? <laughs> I mean, before we look ahead to next week, uh, I did want to ask you, you know, what was going through your head when they announced pinch hitter Anthony DeSclafani? And then what was going through your head when he didn't score from, was it second base? Uh, I mean, there was, uh, you know, he, he ended up, he ended up being on third base and I felt like a, a base runner with knowledge on how to run the bases might have scored on that hit. But, uh, you know, what, what was going, what is going through your head? Cause I, I, I seem to remember some capital letter posts or texts or maybe, maybe the F word was involved. I don't remember, but there was. Matthew, I'd answer that question, but we promised Apple podcast that this was a family show. It is for that reason, Matthew, that I cannot answer your question. What was going through my head when Anthony Desclafani was announced as the... Oh, I, I think I saw one of, you know, it was Javi Lopez or, or you know, I don't know who was who was doing the play-by-play saying Anthony Desclafani's got a bat and it was in the ninth inning and I went through the roof because there is no business that a starting pitcher is going to be your pinch hitter at that point in the game. If you have had that happen to you, you have either had too many injuries in the game or you messed up. And yes, the Giants had an injury in that game, but it was to Buster Posey, your starting catcher. What is the one position that you always keep your backup available and don't pinch hit with? It's your your backup catcher. That's right. So that exactly when that happens, you can replace him, and it doesn't impact any of your other changes. You know, any of your other uh, changes that you might want to make. The point is, Gabe Kapler used every bullet in his gun that, when it really, really mattered, he had to put up a starting pitcher to pinch hit, and he bunted. <laughs> he bunted. That was the best. They asked him to do that. They told him to do that. They said, hey, pinch hitter in this critical moment in the game that's going to give us a security run, which would have won them the game, by the way. Well, no, that's not true, but could have won them the game. At least it was a critical run. They said, go up there and bunt. And he actually put down a pretty good bunt, and the catcher made a really athletic play and and threw out the runner at, at second. I think it was Solano that was on the base path, so I was pretty yeah. surprised about that. That was a great play by the Marlins. I, nothing to do with DeSclafani's bunt efforts. I, you know, I, I don't blame DeSclafani for that at all, for anything that happened. He did exactly what they asked him to do, and, and I'm sure he was happy to do it, and I'm glad he was there and he was available and he did it. But then, yeah, he should have scored. You know, Gabe Kapler even said after the game, yeah, pretty much any other runner. I mean, he basically, he made some weird comment about like, you know, I think you know that 
we have runners who are slow and we have runners who are on the, or are fast and some of them are fast and some of them, I don't know, it was a weird statement about how you know some guys are fast and some guys are slow. But basically the, the point was that, yeah, probably a, a, a player who was used to running the bases would have scored there. Yeah. And, and my point is, is that you should have had a better bat available. And I think this was a clear case of Kapler overmanaging. Now, I'm just a fan and I don't, you know, whatever. You know, I could be wrong and I could be right. But that just really seemed like a situation that shouldn't have come up. You should have had a better option at that point in the game because there wasn't any other reason. And when you go back and you look at a lot of the changes to me, what is clear is that he was, well, it seems to me like he was trying to force something to happen. And, you know, in his defense, though, again, in Kapler's defense, the offense has been really bad, right? They haven't been performing. And I can understand the impulse, the desire to go out there and say, I got to make something happen. I've got to move the parts around. I got to put the right guy in the right situation so that he'll get the hit. But at the end of the day, you're the manager and you have to manage the game. And, and you know, it, it just... I mean, I don't know, because one of those moves ended up resulting in some of those runs being scored, so maybe I'm the idiot. But it, it just, I don't know. Either I'm frustrated with Gabe Kapler, or I'm just frustrated with the, the Giants' offense not being able to put enough runs on the board to not force Kapler to try and do those things. But Desclafani being put in that situation should not have happened that early in the game. It just shouldn't have happened. There was no reason for it to happen. And I just, it it. It, it was really infuriating. It was it was very frustrating to, to yeah. watch happen. Well, I can't remember a, a pitcher pinch hitting in in a regular nine inning game. Like I just you know for someone else, it it just doesn't happen, right? I mean, yeah, you, you see that like in a sixteen inning game, and you're running out of you've run out of position players, and you know you've got to have somebody hit maybe, but you just don't see that. And and because I feel like Kapler has gotten to the Kapler's he is not going to just sit back and let the game happen he's no. going to be the one that makes the move to make the team win and you know he doesn't uh you know so he's playing the matchups and he's doing all that and yet he's not thinking about well i should keep a spare hitter you know for in case they come back or you know he's not thinking no he's blowing the bench every game he's throwing everybody out there you know it, it yeah that is definitely true that has always been his mo though that has always been who he was that is the kind of manager that he is and the the thing is, is like you're not playing the game anymore, Gabe. Right? You got to let the players play. It is your job to make sure to put them in situations where they can succeed. And that is not what you did for Anthony Desclafani. Desclafani there. Um, that was not. He was not put in a situation where to succeed there. Yeah. Right. That is the job of the manager. And and that is not what happened in that particular case. Well, it'll be interesting to see how Kapler, you know, kind of keeps doing it. I mean, will that? I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see. He's he's definitely uh, he hasn't earned a lot of I think you know kind of fan love you know uh -uh. yet, and and so it's easy to you know kind of get upset and and blame him. But well, I I'm just I'm hopeful that uh, you know if the Giants start scoring runs, then Kapler's uh, moves are fewer and far between because I think right now he's. He's trying to make it happen. He's trying to make the offense go. And if the batters are hitting, then then he doesn't have to do that as much. So Well, it should be interesting to see, and I've already read a couple of articles that have already been written, what kind of stuff's being written about Gabe Kapler over the next few days, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Because the Giants are going back to Philadelphia. Oh, yes. The old stomping ground. And uh, Gabe Kapler was not a fan favorite in Philadelphia. To say the least, they were not. They did. He did not feel the feel. The, well, maybe he did feel the Philly love. <laughs> <laughs> These are the people that booed Santa Claus, right? Yeah, so in the traditional sense, you know. I mean, he got he got the Philadelphia treatment for sure. So, 
uh, it should be interesting to read some of those articles because I, I did read I did read one and there's so I would you know if anybody wants to go out and check out that sort of stuff and just kind of understand there's some quotes from from Kepler about how he's changed and, and what he's doing differently. He talked in one article I think about the psychology of the player and, and kind of remembering that, which I thought was very telling. You know, because one of my biggest concerns about him is how he does almost play his roster like it's a video game, like they're numbers and not people. And and he was speaking to the psychology of the game and and the impact that it can have on a player and how stressful these situations can be. So it was clearly something that he is aware of and is criticism that he has received and heard and is trying to um, accommodate. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know. I, I will say this was really the first game that I saw this season that looked like that. And I understand his frustration if he was making those moves, right? Mm-hmm. To do that because it is fr- it is a frustrating situation and he may have just been trying to force something to happen, make something happen. And, you know, I mean, Austin Slater hit a home run and, uh, you know, that was a a pinch hit situation. So maybe he was right in the end, but he fired a lot of bullets. He fired a lot of bullets and his gun was empty and he didn't have anything left. And when his bullpen needed one more bullet and he didn't have it. And that's on him. Yep, and, well, and I am now that you mentioned this, I'm looking forward to watching the games in Philadelphia. See how he, uh, how the fans react to Mr. Kapler's introductions. And yeah, there will uh, be a few fans there, so it should be yeah, interesting. Yeah, 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 and and so yeah, we've got the Phillies coming up. We've got three games uh, against the Phillies on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Uh, and then you know it's interesting. There's no off day. We go straight. We fly home on Wednesday and start with a four game series with the Marlins uh, again, right? Right? Uh, and then you know so that'll four games against the Marlins, three against the Phillies. In theory, those are teams that we are competitive with. Uh, you know, and hopefully, you know, we can play better against the Marlins than we did this last week at home. Uh, you got to think that well, that will happen. Uh, yeah. It'll be interesting to see what we do against the Phillies. You know, the old mantra of away is when you're when travel the the away team. If you win, you go 500 on the road. Yeah. And then win your 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 games at home, then you're going to have a good season. And so they you know they need to you know in order to do that they would have to win two out of three from the Phillies, which isn't um, you know impossible. They've got you know they've got Gausman going. Uh, you know, and so I think that uh, that'll uh, hopefully we can put a couple of wins together in Philadelphia and then come back and play the Marlins at home. Yeah, I mean, the other way, the, the, the angle that I like to look about it is you got to beat the, the teams that you're better than and uh, and you got to be better than most. So the Giants really need to finish this season series against the Marlins, which will end up being seven games. I think ideally they would have been five and two. I think they have to be four and three. In you know to take full advantage of playing against an inferior team, a signif- which should be a significantly inferior team, the Phillies. You know, I, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I think if they go one and two here, it wouldn't be the end of the world. But the Phillies have been scuffling lately. They haven't been doing well. They have. Um, uh, but it is pretty interesting though because they are going to face Zach Wheeler. Once upon a time, great uh, uh, giant, all time giant, uh, great, <laughs> great giant. Uh, uh, was he traded for Carlos Beltran? Is that is that who it was? I don't. Yeah, I was think it, you're right. Yeah, was it Beltran? Yeah. The, the good news is they are missing Nola, who is the, the probably the ace for the Phillies, and he just pitched today. He pitched mm. a complete game shutout today. Oh, thank goodness. We're so we're missing that. that. Uh, so anyway, yeah. So I, I think they, they sh- you know, ideally they win that series. I, I think if they go one and two, it's not the end of the world, right? I think you're right that you want to go 500 on these road trips, though. So, you know, they really need to go two and one. They want to win this series so they come back three and three on the road trip and then hopefully beat up on the Marlins at home and are in sitting pretty, you know, which I think is all kind of moot right now. The real big question is when are the runs going to come? Because if the runs start being produced, everything else should fall into place, especially if the starting rotation continues to perform as it has. Right? It takes, as we talked about, it takes pressure off the bullpen. It, Gabe Kapler doesn't have to go, you know, pinch hit for everybody and anybody. 
you know, at every moment uh, that presents an opportunity. Uh, if the if the offense produces, these things go away. So I think that's really what we should be looking for is a productive offense. But here's the, the problem is that going in facing another great pitcher, you know, it's just like the hits keep coming or they don't keep coming, you know. <laughs> so anyway, right. yeah. Well, time will tell. And will tell. Uh, I think we're uh, we're running up against the clock here. So uh, I'm going to finish up my cocktail here and I think we should uh, call this one done. Uh, where can they find us, Ben? Well, you can find uh, the entire show at Giant Cocktails, both on Twitter and Instagram. You can find me at Watch Ben Fail on both of those platforms. Where can they find you, Matthew? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at, at Sonoma Y Guy. Uh, you can also, I'm also on monitoring the uh, Giant Cocktails account. So, you know, come by, say, you know, subscribe, you know, friend us, whatever. And then uh, you can also uh, find our podcasts on wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, so, subscribe, like, uh, rate us if you'd like. Uh, only if you're going to give us a good rating, though. If you're not going to give us a good rating, then, you know, don't, don't, don't rate us. But, uh, <laughs> but I'd uh, love to, you know, hear what you guys think. So, thanks for uh, coming. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. See you next week. All right. Cheers, Ben. Bye.